Am I allowed back? Yes, because you've stopped talking over me doing the bit. I'm totally using that take. I <laughs> know you are. <laughs> I am. <laughs> Hello, welcome to our podcast, It Is Complicated, where the answer to every question is, it's complicated. And I'm doing the intro today because why not switch roles? I'm all for switching roles. <laughs> well, actually, because it's, not no, as a No, role. you're not. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> I know that. <laughs> and we shan't be going into that, that. listeners, until not today. our spin-off episodes of It Is Complicated After Dark. <laughs> So if you like this, support us on Patreon so we can make more great things happen. Patreon.com, it is complicated, all one word. All right. So what are we going to talk about? Oh, we need to find out who you are. Introductions. You don't, you who don't am know. I talking to? <laughs> Jay, this is why you don't do my job. <laughs> this is why I'm never allowed to do improvisation. It always falls apart because I never remember all the words. Oh, but that's counter to the notion of improvisation. <laughs> <laughs> you don't I need to know remember, all the oh, I never remember all of the things I have to say. Oh. We've been in, we're what, 60 seconds into the podcast and Josephine's brain has already exploded or imploded, one or the other. Would Jay, you like to do the introduction? <laughs> 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 because yeah, we know that I'm not very good at these things. You're doing fine. <laughs> Look, the podcast has started. <laughs> So time is now moving forward. There is speaking happening. So I guess the podcast must be happening. So there you go. But just in case, welcome to the podcast. Hello, Dr. J. How are you? Who are you? <laughs> what are you and why? Why? Oh, God, you asked why. That's the, that's the hardest one. I'm Dr. J. I gave myself the job title Harbinger of Change, and the Gender Transgressive Non-Binary Gender Queer. I'm J.K. Rowling's deepest fear. I'm what you get when you allow queer people to self-define. I'm trying not to laugh over your introduction. That was really good. You're welcome. Uh, Uh, I'm also a a troublemaker and a hashtag queer nuisance because branding. Branding. Okay. So, hello, Josephine. (laughs) Why are you? Why am I? Um, Well, I don't know why, but I know what. (laughs) Um, My name is Josephine Baird. I'm an independent scholar, activist, and artist, sometimes performance, sometimes visual. Uh, You can see my things upon the internet, which is probably what you're listening to right now. And I like to think of myself as a queer without portfolio. And I don't know whether or not J.K. Rowling has talked about queers without portfolio but i'm sure if she knew about them she would have a lukewarm reception of them which would then turn to open hate after a few months but we're not going to talk about jk rowling because every week we've determined that that's a really bad idea unfortunately every week so far there seems to have been a new reason not parentheses to talk about her however this week we've decided not to talk about her again but we have decided to talk about something else and we have for once decided what we're going to talk about before we start the episode i know it was a shocker it was a it's a shocker by us completely um (laughs) the timing of the cat is just too perfect 
is she coming in or is she coming out? Because that's what we're going to talk about. Coming out. Did you love the way I segued that? That was almost improvisation. That was good. I got a little tingle. <laughs> that's how good it was. Little tingle. <laughs> well done, Dr. J. Yes, good segue. We were talking about coming out. Um, would you like to come out, Dr. J? About which part? <laughs> exactly. Because you have to come out so many times. I mean, I have the fun of every single project that I start. I have to come out to a client. Hi, I use they as a pronoun. What does that mean? Explain they. Why do you use they as a pronoun? Explain gender. Why is your name just a single letter? Explain gender again. Explain that having my middle names on all of the systems is not right because, well, gender. My middle names are still slightly gendered. Well, I just decided to keep them. <laughs> then we get on to all sorts of things like, I can't walk up the stairs. Do you have a lift? I have to come out as a disabled person. There'll and be explain things. disability. Explain disability. Explain non-visible disabilities. Undoubtedly, things will come up and I will come out as having grown up working class. I will come out as having had mental health problems. Obviously, my partner will come up and then it will come out that I'm polyamorous. So we'll get into what is a relationship. And by that time, I'm fucking exhausted. And that's the end of day one. Well, that's the end of the meeting because you started your meeting with five minutes. <laughs> and it literally feels like that. It's like everyone else in the room just has to say, hi, my name is, and somebody says something that's like, I have a cat. I have two children. I have a husband. And everyone's like, oh, we got you. And then I'm kind of sitting there going, oh, shit, this is not going to go well. And all of that, my gender, my sexuality never came up. I didn't get to come out in the standard way that people imagine mm. coming out because I didn't have to mention in any sense of that what my sexuality was. Because by that time, people are so exhausted by the coming out. <laughs> they're just like, oh, fuck it. We know it's going to be complicated. We're not going to ask you anything. Yeah, I mean, but that's the funny thing, isn't it? People ask such weird questions when they meet. I think they're weird anyway, and everybody else seems to think they're normal. Like, oh, what do you do? It's like, well, When? In what context? At what time? Right now, um, I'm talking to you. I'm sorry. This is Josephine coming out as maybe not being entirely neuronormative. Yeah, there's that. Yeah. And that's the funny thing is it the presumption is, of course, that you come out once. And you've just made it very clear that that's not the case. Coming out is a constant process. You're constantly being put in a position where you have to decide whether you're going to come out again and again and again and again, several times a day. And I've drawn a comic that maybe I'll link to, maybe we can put it up, where <laughs> for me, it's that little liminal moment between someone saying something that draws out a moment where you could or should or might have to come out. The moment is this, there's two people standing by a water cooler and one says, oh, you know, what are you doing this weekend? Are you going out with your, do you have a, and then the, the action stops and a little fairy pops up and goes, look, 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 this is the little space where this person's trying to decide whether or not to say, my partner of the same apparent gender x y and z look you can see it you can see it happening right now let's go back to the action and then of course the action starts again and they go well um yeah 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 we're um um, um just gonna stay home see see they chose not to this time <laughs> because this time they just decided because of the number of circumstances whatever situation they're in they don't feel safe they don't know the other person they don't know if they can predict their reaction all those factors have just gone through this person's mind at light speed because they're so used to doing it now that they just go factor A, factor B, factor C. 
encounter D? How am I feeling? What is the circumstance? Where are the exits? What is this person likely to say? Do I have to keep them not attacking me for any reason <laughs> right now? Are they in charge of me in any weird way? All these factors are going through this person's head and then they make the decision whether or not to come out in that moment. Because I don't know if it's like that for you, Dr. J, but for me, I have that feeling constantly about all sorts of things. It's that constant, I go to the hospital, I have to mm. come out with my name being a single letter, my gender being, my pronouns, my gender being different, which immediately starts questions as to whether or not I'm on any extra hormones and all of those discussions, which I'm not, but at least they're open to have those discussions. And then of course, my partner turns up or Maria and Josh might turn up and we just start entire conversations around who these people are and what relationship they are to you and why is there more than what and you're just having to sit there and just go oh dear fucking god this is just exhausting and that's simple things you know I've had to come out to my housing officer because I live in a council flat and had to explain non-binary to them because they couldn't understand why I'd changed my name and why I wanted them to use they on all the correspondence and you never seem to stop coming out and even when you think you've come out something will come up that you have to continually come out some more on. When I first came out, as trans especially, and that's the funny thing, the notion of like when I first came out, I was coming out in lots of different ways even before that, but I wasn't even aware that I was doing it. And that's the other funny thing is you can unconsciously out yourself through all sorts of little ways. And apparently I was doing it all the time. Even I don't really know what that looked like. I might have to ask some people who knew me at the time. But at the time when I consciously chose to come out as trans I transitioned in such a way it was relatively obvious that I was a trans woman like you know I didn't pass in certain ways part of that was choice part of it was opportunity and it meant that I was pretty much out to everyone all the time and in some ways I didn't have to announce it or discuss it because it just preceded me and in some ways that made my life a lot easier in other ways it made my life a lot more complicated (laughs) and dangerous at the same time but in the easy sense it meant that I was always out and in one way that meant that I could never be found out and because I could never be found out I didn't have to worry about that and that was freeing in some regard and to some level that takes away this pressure that fear of what if they find out that i'm trans i don't have to worry about that because it's really really fucking obvious and don't get me wrong that is a really complicated statement because of course i was also hiding it occasionally when i was really scared and i had to move through certain spaces and then i could tell you about trying to hide that identity whilst still being a very obvious and out trans person but one of the things that was really really odd when I moved to Sweden and it turned out that I had the opportunity to transition in another way and I chose to take that opportunity I'm very glad I did suddenly as a byproduct weirdly enough not really was the reason but the byproduct of it is that I now am read as cis significantly more often (laughs) than I was before and that has meant I'm invisible and not out in a way that I've not ever been as a trans woman. And honestly, it's a little weird. It's like an aspect of myself has suddenly become invisible because I've started to be read in a different way. And it requires me to come out now explicitly in a way that I didn't have to before. And I find that really challenging. The question hasn't changed. Is the space safe to do that in? Is it a dangerous circumstance? Am I going to open myself up to to violence? But now I have the opportunity to not come out. 
And I don't know what to do with that even. It's sort of screwed me up a bit for a while and I honestly don't know if I have an answer yet. I tend to just come out is the answer because it's just easier for me and I'm lucky enough to live in an environment where I'm not entirely decimated when I do that. Now, don't get me wrong. It still causes hell problems and has led to all sorts of issues that I could gleefully do without. I've always settled on the idea of like out for me is much better. It makes me feel secure because there is nothing to be found out. I'm lucky in the current job that I have that I'm supported in being out about my gender, about my sexuality and about my mental health and about my physical needs. But I know what it's been like to be in companies where I haven't been supported in being out. I can't think of what I've had to be in about for a long time, but that's only because I've had the freedom to be out everywhere. And by being out everywhere, it's much harder to attack me. There's no secret. And I think that's part of the coming out. It's the telling of what could be seen as a secret. I had an experience very early on in my being out as a trans woman in London. I went to a bar with a few friends and we were sitting in the beer garden, which is sort of a small garden out the back. Um, yeah, I'm trying to describe it for those people who don't necessarily know what a beer garden is. I presume everyone might, but there's a little garden at the back where people drink beer. Depending on the bar in London, it's occasionally just oh, yeah. a table by the bins and the entrance to the toilets. Yeah, I was in the beer garden ostensibly and I was sitting there with some friends that were just talking and this person walks up and says, oh, hi, can I talk to you? It's like kind of unnerving and a little scary when a man, and I presumed it was a man, and turns out it was, walks up to you and engages you. And as a trans woman, as a woman, it was like, okay, scary, are you going to be horrible? And it turned out that they were not. They were just absolutely desperate to talk to someone. So much so that he walks up to me, a complete stranger in the bar, and tells me his life story specifically his transition. And he tells me that he's living in London completely stealth, which means he's not out at all to anyone. And his life is lived in abject terror of being found out. Because when they transitioned, they were told by his physicians in this particular case is that he would have to basically leave the place where he was living. He meant to leave every family member, every friend, every job he'd ever had. Now, maybe he did have to do that. I don't know. He told me that he was told that he would have to do that. And he did. And he now lives, I don't know where he is now. I hope he's happier. Cause I said, to, I was just almost speechless from this story and this terrified human being sitting there telling me something that he hadn't told anyone in years and how desperate he was for contact with another human being that was so frightened of being found out. I talked to him. I tried to empathize as much as I could with him and sort of say, you know, I can understand, but I obviously I'm also out. And obviously you saw me and that's what made you come to me. And I was very honored by that. I gave him some phone numbers to different, um, at the time it was trans men's charities and peer support networks in London. And I do hope that he contacted any one of them. But when he left, I, I've never forgotten the look on his face, the emotion that came out of his story and how I felt about it, how sad and oh, the ache in my chest for him. And that is so many people who feel like they have to hide themselves. They cannot come out, cannot explore that 
truth with anyone because they're frightened of being attacked, of losing their job, becoming homeless, becoming, you know, having their children taken away. You name it, they're frightened of it because that has happened. This is not an unreal feel, fear. And I was his say, wasn't, you know. Yeah, the fears, if you're forced to mm. reveal these secrets in a way that is beyond your control, or even if you're forced to reveal these secrets, full stop. You can lose your job, you can lose your housing, you can lose your relationships, you can lose your friendships, you can lose your children. I totally agree. It's not an unfounded Mm. fear. There's another layer to that stealthness and that outness when you're non-binary. A lot of non-binary people end up looking within the binary in their day jobs and then have to constantly say, but I'm non-binary, have to constantly voice it or they're overlooked, or there are assumptions made about their gender is read as one or t'other, because of course there's only a binary and we can only read two genders because, you know, and there's that constant pressure to always vocalize. I am this, I am this. And that takes up a lot of energy as well. And is risky. If you vocalize, I'm non-binary, people are like, well, what does that mean? All of those assumptions and you, and you feel like you're constantly having to push and push and push, which is exhausting because you're having to constantly reveal when you don't wish to because people can't read it. And you're revealing to take away that power of stealth, to take away that power of the secret, but you're constantly having to put energy into it. Mm. And that's a really weird payoff because you're not putting energy into constantly hiding. You're putting energy into constantly being visible. And it's just, yeah. It's exhausting. Because not only do you have to do it, and even if the reaction is the most positive one you can imagine, that's still energy of worrying, making a decision, and then doing it. And then, of course, often the reaction is, oh, explain that to me, which is the better side of that reaction. A worse version is, justify it to me. (laughs) And even worse is, I don't even gonna, I'm not gonna accept that, I'm just gonna act aggressively. And it's like all those things that handful of like energy that you have to exert just in order to be you in a visible way that is not dangerous, Mm. not covered up, but also not as overt as you necessarily, because maybe you don't want to be out. And that's the other part of this, the flip side of the coin, which especially if you read a lot of queer theory and gender theory, one of the things that I found really, really difficult, and as an activist as well, is this requirement to be out from our own community. I find that deeply problematic that there is often a sense of like, well, you have to be out and proud every day, every, every place you go, everywhere you go, you must be fighting the good fight. Well, maybe I do want to do that, but it's not safe. One of these days, I just want to turn up somewhere, be on a form, on a sign up form or something and have not just, are you a man or a woman and prefer not to say or something like that. Allow me to state, with, state my gender with style. Allow me to state my pronoun and just have it be like these people have thought about it. I don't need to care. I don't need to put the energy in. I can be as visible as I want. I can do it and it's done. And I don't have to do explanations. I don't have to educate them. I don't have to throw energy at them. It's all there. They've got my gender. They've got my pronouns. They've got my name. They're using it correctly. And I can do whatever they else fuck I want to do. Because quite frankly... It's the burning of energy. It's the fact that every single admin action constantly has all of that extra energy laid on top of it. And like 
I just talked about starting at a new client and having to do all of that. I get to do all of that and started a new client on a new project and start the whole thing that everyone else in the room is doing. But I come in with this ginormous stuff that has to be unpacked in various ways across that first couple of days with the people in the room that I then have to continually unpack as well as do my job. I do love working in queer spaces because they've usually... 99.9% of the time now queer spaces have gone through those things and asked me my gender in a way that allows me to state my gender with style not just choose a box because you know I don't choose boxes it's so much more relaxing and I enjoy it so much more and I just wish more spaces were like that but I also understand that there are spaces where I don't want to have to go through that energy I will just happily I will just happily tick a box to get on the plane. I will happily tick a box to catch the train. I will happily tick a box. Mm. I toss a coin mentally. If I'm given two choices, I'll just go, what do I want to be today? What? I, I also ask the question, giving this information, what will it do for me? What expectations will it set when I try to do something? Will it determine which bathroom I can walk into? Then I make it a slightly different choice to, I'll just fucking oh, it's Mr. Dr. Harrison today rather than Ms. Dr. Harrison. You know, oh, if I'm playing around with gender, I will mentally flip a coin and go, today I'm male, I'm female, because those are the only two choices. So let me just mess with your data. Well, I mean, I think that's the complicated moment is the, that moment of coming out. And in so many aspects of your day and so many times of your day and so many situations, you have to make a choice each time you're making it. It's not that it's like I have a, you know, a blanket choice that I will always be out or a blanket choice where I will always be not out. No, you're constantly having to decide between those. And what do you come out as? Come out as what? To whom and when and to whose advantage? One of the things that I found really, really upsetting when I did first come out was the impetus to then come out again from even within my own community at times that I found really, really dangerous or really, really uncomfortable because there was this belief that I should have to do a certain amount of activist political work in the circles that I was in. I came out in a gender institute at a university. I came out in a performative space in queer environments. That's where I came out, where there was a lot of impetus on being out and proud. And I am out and proud. And I do like that. And I do think visibility is required in order to make certain claims. And unfortunately, that means that we have to put ourselves out on the line. And that's scary and and terrifying. But I was also being asked to do it constantly in ways that other people, and even within my own community, didn't have to do. And I noticed that hypocrisy, and I was really, really fed up with this enforced, you're doing the gender work. Now, this is going to get a little theoretical, but basically what was happening was I was being told that, well, trans people like yourself demonstrate that gender is performative and gender can be crossed. That means you need to be out there showing everyone that that's true all the time in every situation. And if you're not, you're a bad queer or a bad trans person, bad feminist. And it's like, yeah, but I might die. Yeah, but you see, that's that's the thing. You know, your theoretical work is getting done. He's like, yeah, but I'll be dead. <laughs> and you who aren't trans, who aren't queer, who aren't gay, seem to be perfectly comfortable with everyone assuming that you're a cis heterosexual person and gaining all the benefits of that. And you want me to go do all the work, be out to prove a point that you're not willing to prove yourself. <laughs> 
I don't know if that makes any sense at all, but that was the circumstance. And I found it really, really hard. And on top of that, the notion that a trans person who transitions, who's getting red assist, and they just like, I need to just do this for a while. I need to be safe. I'm like, fuck yeah, I get it. I get it. And why, why shouldn't I understand that? I get very angry when I feel that people are putting that responsibility on those people, myself included, and not reading into what they're actually saying to you. You know, you be out for me, make me comfortable, make my life easier, make my political statement in the way that I don't want to make myself. That weirdly enough, the way you've mentioned, the notion that you're being required to be honest in a way that you might necessarily want to be in that moment. I don't want everybody to know my business or my partner and this, that, and the other, my sexuality or my mental health status or my gender identity. It's not relevant or it's going to cause a problem. So I'm always working for someone else whenever I'm coming out. That power is not being exercised by you. It's having energy taken away from you. You're being required to do political, personal, emotional work to benefit others, to make them comfortable, to educate them, to save them. And very rarely does it do very much for you, other than maybe those moments when you feel really included. And those are the times which you just described as not having to do that. When someone <laughs> else has done the work and you walk in and go, oh, thank God I don't have to come out because everybody else seems to have done some work and I feel much better. Isn't it, in, is it interesting yeah. that actually yeah. the, the thing that might make you feel the most empowered is not having to come out? Exactly. I think you've summarized it really well because it's that constant requirement mm. to open up. It's that constant requirement to expend the energy. It's that constant requirement to also overcome the fear of rejection. Like every time I come out as non-binary or transgressive non-binary gender queer, I run the fear of somebody turning around and going, no. Or when I say my pronoun is they, I have the fear of somebody saying, no, I'm going to use this one for you. And it's like, okay, you've put all the energy into coming out and you're still not respected for your honesty. You're not respected for your openness. You're not respected for the vulnerability that you're showing. So that's one of the things that I've realized is always having to come out has given me a real superpower. And when I say a real superpower, I've got a couple of superpowers. One of them is resilience because fuck it, I'm 50. And, you know, you say a non-binary person who's 15, it's like, there aren't many of us because there's so many reasons why not. So I'm, fuck it, I'm here, I'm resilient, I'm 50, I've been through hell and back. I have the PTSD and the scars to show for it and I'm still here, goddammit. I'm resilient as all hell. I also have the superpower of being vulnerable, which disarms a lot of people, of being able to be really open and honest with people. And not have any barriers up because when you're constantly having to come out, you're constantly having to drop barriers. You're constantly having to overcome that fear of rejection. That vulnerability allows you to open up to people. And by opening up to people, they open back up to you because you've made the space really, really open. And that's a superpower that we are given as queers. Those two things are really, really powerful. But until you're told to value them, you don't think of them as powers. You think of them as weaknesses. You think of them as, as nothing. This is just me. And it's like, no, this is a freaking superpower. To be resilient and to be vulnerable at the same time is such an amazing combination. 
And that's come at the cost of energy. That's come at the cost of risk, of overcoming fear all the time. So, yeah, maybe that's a simple thing. Include us and we don't have to come out. Let's just say that if I could save one person all the effort and all the energy of having to come out as many times as I've had to in my life, and they can feel included when they walk into a room, they will develop their own freaking superpowers. They will develop better superpowers. They will go on to be the next gen and the next gen and the next gen. And they will have the space and the mental capacity and the energy to take some of the stuff that we've been building and build on it. But if people don't have the space and the energy and they're constantly fighting to be included and fighting, having to expend energy over and over and over to be seen or to be accepted or, or just to speak their truth, then they don't get the time to sit down and develop even better superpowers. God only knows what my actual superpower is. I really don't know. Yeah. Maybe it's kindness. I, who knows? I think so. I don't think that would change. Honestly, I would hope not. I don't think you have to go through what you went through to be kind. I think you developed resilience and you developed vulnerability in a way that you shouldn't have had to. And hopefully, you know, in that hypothetical universe, you would have been able to develop those things in a good way, in a positive way anyway. But I think your kindness is just you. That you don't have to out yourself about. That just comes out. I entirely empathize with what you're saying and recognize it in myself. I wrote a script for a sketch comedy program once. And one of the jokes was, what would happen to our productivity in the world if we didn't have to constantly worry about this? So much more things would get done in your day if you didn't have to do this. Hey, you know, you know that coffee you forgot to buy in the store? You managed to get that because you didn't have to worry about coming out or, you know, that book you meant to read that happened to that book you meant to write that happened now because you didn't have to stress about this all the time. I've wondered it too. What would it be like? What would my life have been like if I didn't have to come out, if I could have just been, yeah, I would have been trans and I could have stayed being trans and I could stay being queer as all get out and all the other things that I have to come out about, but I wouldn't have had to worry about coming out of them. I wouldn't have had to come out. I just want gender reveals to be held at whatever the fuck age you feel like and you just get to throw a ginormous party. I want to go out there and just go, my gender is, I'm just fucking awesome. Hey, let's party. I haven't changed since we decided. When was it? 2000 and it was in your bedroom. Josephine and I were sitting there talking about gender and all of that. And that was when you gave me the gender of transgressive. That's when you turned around and you said, you're trans, but you're not transgender, you're transgressive. And I just took that and went, transgressive, non-binary, genderqueer. And it's never changed since then. It's not been updated. It feels, it makes my heart sing. It's the thing that makes me go, this is who I am. So maybe instead of coming out, we should turn it into celebrate. Yeah. I I know that sounds a bit sort of um, cheesy, but I actually, I really mean it, like, not a reveal because everybody knows Sorry, Jay. it's already happened but a celebration like just to say yeah this is who i am and i'm really happy about it and mm. your friends get to say we're really happy too like mm. we're really happy you're here and queer and we're very used to it <laughs> funnily enough that was pretty much my 50th like toasting me and roasting me at the same time because everyone had jokes but everyone also had genuine 
warmth and goodwill towards me. And that was amazing. And I think that was my celebrate party. And people should have that. People Mm. should be able to have those whenever they want them. That's the kind of celebration I personally would love Mm. for one's not coming out one of it's sort of i'm i'm affirming my gender identity i'm affirming my sexuality no, I'm, I'm affirming i'm my, affirming my identity i'm affirming yeah. who i am yeah. and i'm celebrating yeah. the complex complicated yeah. being that is here that has complex complicated beings celebrating them yeah there you go and that takes away that element of secrecy that you mentioned then you know what follows on from that is the notion of duplicity you know we didn't even talk about that that can be an episode two of coming out coming out again and again the revenging is this duplicity this a sense of secrecy that if you don't come out you're keeping a secret and you're being ever so naughty and but, it's like this is one of about the things but know. also one of the things that i've discovered is that when I'm not able to be open and honest and I'm having to have that second layer of thinking and duplicity almost, that hiding something, it's read by the people in the room as a vibe and that incongruence, that slight layer of extra energy that people feel you're putting in leads people to question everything that you do, trying to find the thing that you're being duplicitous about or the thing that you're trying to hide which puts you under more stress because Mm -hmm. you're getting all of the questions and you're being questioned in a very particular way. And this happens a lot in boardrooms and places like that. People are coming in and questioning you and it's when you're able to be comfortable and be yourself and be open. People don't have that dissonance around you. People don't see that thing. And I talked about that back in clothing and it's about being able to walk in and not have to hide stuff. And by not hiding, you come across as more honest yeah, but that's the problem, that dichotomy of honesty. Mm. That's what I find so disturbing is this idea of like, and don't get me wrong, I understand mm. exactly what you're saying. And it's perfectly reasonable that another person might sense that you're withholding something and therefore question your honesty in all sorts of areas. And maybe they might be extremely accepting of who you are. Maybe they even understand it implicitly because they are too. But what you're talking about is that act of having to withhold or feeling like you might need to creates a sense of duplicity and what i find really disturbing about that is that even if you were to come out some people will still read your queer identity as duplicitous because they don't believe that it's a real thing so you must be lying to them and i've had that happen to me which is even worse it's like no i literally told you the truth no you can't have been telling the truth because trans people don't exist and therefore you don't exist oh what am i what am i doing who am i talking to it's like (laughs) you suddenly pop out of existence it's that notion of truth and falsity that i find really disturbing that you somehow have to come out and tell the truth. It's like, no, I have a truth of who I am. And I share that. I affirm that. I don't have to come out about that. And I think that's what I really liked about your notion of celebration. Mm. I know we're very far from that. And that's about a utopian position. But I don't see it being too far off considering you've actually had it. But, but it's, that, it's that queerness. It's that queer theory thing. Uh, Joe Paslow used it in a talk and it was and it always links to my beautiful sci-fi that I love reading and it's that glimpse of an unrealized utopia that we're always straining towards and Mm. I love that notion that the utopia that I can imagine if I can explain it to people it will be the thing that we all aim towards we may never reach it but because we're aiming towards it so next week we'll have a topic that will be very interesting um (laughs) what will that be Dr. J? 
Don't say it. She's going to tweet again, isn't she? She's going to tweet again. JK Rowling. No. Just no. Cue the music. <laughs> that was really good. Was it good? Yeah. Okay. I'm glad. I think you can tell that I burst into tears at one point there. Yeah. So I was close to it too. Yeah. I empathize with you. I mm. really do. I do understand. And, and I think things... we keep that in as the blooper. 